But Rob's dressed up for the occasion. He looks a hell of a lot more professional than any of us. Um, Look at that. Phil, <laughs> Phil's, he's rocking some, some good tartan. It's looking good. I wear the yeah. same thing every day. <laughs> same. Why change? Why bother yeah. change? I'm not going anywhere. Why bother washing? I'll say. Welcome to the Pod Charles Cinecast. <laughs> presented <laughs> by the Prince Charles Cinema. This is your host, Jonathan Foster. And oh my God, we've got two, not one, but two adopted children, stepchildren <gasps> on this program today. Obviously, we've got the boy who's been here uh, for a while now. He's not in a ball. He's actually sitting upright in a chair. He looks really professional. It's really, really nice to see. It's our boy, Phil. Stop. <laughs> I got my got my coffee, got my flannel. I'm ready to fucking party. Yeah, man, you're, you're good to go. And also returning for the first time since this whole lockdown's happened, it's our adopted little stepdaughter up in Sussex. It's Caroline. Hi. Hello. How's it going, Caroline? I'm, I'm just, I'm here. You're here. I'm back. Living at yeah. large. Yeah. Large and in charge. Now, Caroline, you you sent um a clip <laughs> to me <laughs> that I thought was only going to be a couple of minutes that I would have pieced into yeah. the podcast. And it ended up being a whole podcast length. So uh, yeah. I'm still going to get that out eventually. It's just a bonus little addition. So if you guys want to hear what Caroline's been up to uh, during this lockdown, that should be coming hopefully soon. Maybe this week. We'll see. Is it a bonus episode? Maybe, or maybe <laughs> not. That's cool. Is it just a long tirade about being bored? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Just watching a lot of films, really. Yeah. So um, that's what I do. That's it. And also returning this week, he was on a couple of weeks ago with our Ask Me Anything episode. It's Can't get rid of him. Projectionist Jamie Brooker. Hiya. <laughs> Hi. 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 Good to have you back, Jamie. Uh, thank you for having me back. Yeah, it's yeah. an embarrassment, really. Isn't it's it? an embarrassment. <laughs> I like your background right now. I I think the last couple of times you were like in what, like your garden bed or something, or like a solarium <laughs> or something. So but, uh, it's really nice and bright. It kind of looks like you're a, a gamer or something. It's kind of cool. Dig. It's an aquarium Thanks. too. Yeah. There, there is, there is an aquarium in the That's corner. Cool. You're right. Oh, you can see him. Do you have fish? Um, no, it's just for an sure. aquarium full. It's just a completely <laughs> empty glass cube filled with water and nothing else. It's a vibration. I find it very relaxing. Fish would mess it up if we were <laughs> fishing them, you know? Fair enough. Uh, I, don't, I don't like their randomness. Um, so, yes, yeah, so it's just water. Cool. Good, good. And like we have another guest today. He's... The official guest today, because he he's the one who wanted to uh, talk about what we'll talk about a little later. Returning to the podcast, welcome back. Not the man from The Cure, but our Robert Smith. Robert Smith. How's it going, Rob? Hi, uh, yeah, I'm what, I'm what, you know, living it, loving it. Living it and loving it. Sick. Yeah, man. You know, uh, quarantine agrees with me. <laughs> Rob, are you, As you can all say. are you sure about that? I'm just trying to keep a happy face. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the fans need it. Yeah. Now, Rob is looking particularly spiffy today. He rocked out uh, the tie, the nice dress shirt, 
It's looking very presentable. It's really sexy. Yeah, I wanted to go for like a noir thing, but <laughs> inappropriately, of course. But. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie might get a little excited. Well, I mean, you know, that's that's why I'm here, basically. To, to provide a little bit of fun energy. Yeah, I, I needed Jamie here just so I, I knew I lost my touch. So, yeah, someone to appreciate your dulcet tones. Yeah, exactly. It is. It is like the uh, the marriage of sexy voices here this afternoon, isn't it? Yeah, yeah we've got quite, you know, we're showing the fuck up. It's going to actually by the end of the podcast, it's going to have devolved into just like constant drone with like vague vowel shapes in it. Like the soundtrack to the devil. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rob was on the podcast quite a few times in the past. Uh, episode 14 was his first appearance, I believe, with Old Boy in Heat. He was on episode 26 with Blade Runner in the Evil Dead trilogy, which was super, super fun. And he was yeah. also on episode 30 when we talked about Eyes Wide Shut and a lot of Stanley Kubrick conspiracies. So yeah, uh, good one. it's kind of fitting yeah, that, that you're, you're, you've picked the film that you've picked today. I feel like you sort of have a bit of a theme going with what you pick but uh before we get to that uh i obviously phil and jamie have been on phil with me every week jamie was a couple weeks ago so we kind of know what they've been up to but caroline and uh and rob you've each not really been on have you guys like been spending your time and keeping sane and what have you been up to anything special uh well uh as i said just watching a lot of films i'm in a house where we are 10 people Ooh, and uh it's a uh, it's none of my family which i think is good <laughs> i don't think i would have lasted this long with my family to be honest um uh, it's no it's great there's always something going on and a lot of stuff happening uh bad wi-fi though but that's that's it <laughs> but uh, yeah I'm, I'm i'm chilling hanging out on the roof oh, when nice. it's not raining yeah Trying to get my tan on, as you can see, it hasn't not much has happened. So, yeah. <laughs> got my freckles out. What's the weather been like there? Uh, really uh, warm, nice, and sunny. Probably similar. Uh, to now London, it's I guess. pouring down. So, yeah. yeah, it's raining here as well. Um, kind of a sad time the last couple of days. It felt like winter just appeared yeah. out of nowhere. Mm. <laughs> How about yeah. you, Rob? What have you been up to? Where are you hanging? How are you spending um, quarantine? Keep insane. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I bought a PS4, so that's gonna oh, <laughs> that's gonna that's gone quite a long way to keeping me relatively sane, I suppose. Um, I'm I'm at my girlfriend's flat because I was actually homeless when all this kicked off, so staying with my girlfriend. Yeah, um, and it's just me and her in a second floor flat, so no access to the outside world very easily without venturing out properly. But um, is she yeah, okay? I'm, I'm, <laughs> she's she's not. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm, I'm doing great. Yeah, I'm I'm fantastic. Now I'm, I'm I'm all right. I mean, I spent spent a lot of time sitting indoors in the past, so I'm fairly uh, capable yeah. of doing this. To be honest, like it's weird to think now it's been like eight weeks, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Keeping all right. I haven't drunk in eight weeks, which is pretty mental. Oh wow! What? Nice. Yeah. I That's cool. Drink every single day. <laughs> oh, I can't do it. As you might be able to tell. Caroline's drinking now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> coffee. Coffee. Yeah. Coffee. Yeah, coffee. Irish coffee. coffee. Irish. <laughs> Rob, how has that been going though? Not, not drinking. Has that been like a personal choice or is that just like 
just by happenstance? It's, I don't know. Like I, I'm quite a social drinker, I suppose, mm-hmm. and I, I like I like getting quite pissed. So yeah. if I did it here with just me and Emma, after being stuck together for a long time, I, I, I just don't think I'd enjoy it that much. So it's kind of just easier to just stay off. I mean, no. Emma got quite drunk last night, and I was just going to sit. My baby, but, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's actually surprisingly easy. That's I think good. it's um, it's just hard if you're around those people drinking, which I'm not. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. pretty easy. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I find it easier to like control myself at home, but obviously, if you're out in a social situation, it gets like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. woo. Yeah, no, it's good. Uh, you you started your your self isolation a little bit earlier than the actual lockdown, right? Didn't yeah, you? I did. Yeah, so diabetes, mm. so didn't didn't seem worth worth risking. So yeah, I kind of bailed yeah. from work a week or two. I yeah. think before before it all kicked off, got all my shifts covered and stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I've been. Um, I think the last time I was out was May, March the sixth. Oh, wow. Not not to be too specific. Yeah. But. <laughs> but who's counting? Who's counting? No, it's good. I'm glad yeah. you're doing well. And uh, yeah, no. yeah, you seem in good spirits, which is good. It's nice to have yeah, you man. on finally. Yeah, it's good to good yeah. to uh, good to be here. Nice one. Hey, all you podheads and film fanatics, this is the Quizmaster here from the Filmageddon Film Quiz, reminding you that we are live streaming our quiz each and every Wednesday evening over on twitch.tv slash filmageddon. It's open to all and free to join along, so get your team together on your favorite video messaging app and see if you have what it takes to beat hundreds of other like-minded individuals in what might be the biggest film quiz in the world. I assume, anyway. Uh, anyway, yeah, go ahead and follow us over on Twitter where we are at Filmageddon Quiz to keep up with the latest news and info, and we hope to see you there. Well, we'll move into how the Prince Charles Cinema has been doing. Obviously, we're still in lockdown, guys. Woo! <laughs> no, like, uh, we obviously are still trying to pluck away what we're doing every week, trying to keep people entertained as much as we can. Last week, we started the Super Oscar Showdown. So this week, we're in round two. Uh, there was lots of upsets in round one. Like, oh, one flew over so. Cuckoo's Nest, taking out <laughs> The Godfather Part 2. <laughs> um- I'm what fuming about Amadeus. Yeah, yeah. That was a yeah, tough one as well. I figured you would. I was yeah. I was a bit unsure of what I wanted to vote for in that one. That was Amadeus versus uh, Lawrence of Arabia, right? Yeah. That's a yeah. tough, I mean, a tough, tough choice. <laughs> I think it falls down to subjective on that one. And yeah. Amadeus is one of my favorites. So. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Rob, hmm. being the Greg head that you are, <laughs> And, and mind you, with all 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 respect of Super Oscars, um, I'm sure I hopefully got a tickle out of you when you saw Super Oscars appear on our feeds. I did, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I want to know: Do you think the Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, is going to win it all? Oh, God, I see. I I don't I don't even think Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, is the best Lord of the Rings, but. Um, <laughs> 
It's the uh, Hobbit I, films. I would like it, yeah. <laughs> okay, no, okay. The, Hobbit, the Hobbit films are the best <laughs> Lord of the Rings. No, I mean, I don't know. I can't remember the rest of the, the lineup. I think it stands a pretty good chance, given our... Uh, given our viewership and our constant run of it, but it yeah. probably doesn't deserve it, yeah. you know? Even go. though I love, I love, you know, that that does go to The Hobbit. It's, or Arthur. <laughs> it's uh, Fate uh, of <laughs> Arthur, yeah. No. Or Joker, or Robert De Niro as, uh, as the Joker. Society. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Lord of the Rings is facing The Godfather in round two, so that's going to be a, Ooh, an interesting thing. And I say this now, and I don't care if Rob, Rob is a Greg head and thinks Lord of the Rings should beat it. Um, if you vote for Lord of the Rings, <laughs> Phil, what do they get? Fucking Hawking Ted. Yeah. I tell them every time, every week. Exactly. I come on here and remind people. So, and it's going to happen, and I'm going to be annoyed. If you do, if you don't want us to uh, break social distancing and Phil to show up in your house late at night when you're sleeping, I'll keep my distance. I can just throw it at you. I've gotten very good at the Hawking Ted. Now, Jamie, you went a bit quiet and sort of gave us a bit of funny smirks here. So do you disapprove of what's going on with the <laughs> Super Oscars? <laughs> I, I tapped out of the entire thing, man. I got down to about the third or fourth choice and I was like, which one of you assholes did this? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, so, sorry, Paul. Um, but uh, No, it was me yeah. and Sophia, to be fair. <laughs> I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for assuming it was you, Paul. Um, and uh, yeah, I was. I was just like, nah. I was just like, this. This isn't. This isn't a fair game, man. I'm not playing your game. So like, so like, you might as well just give it to Lord of the Rings now, because um, you, you know you made that happen. It's like you know you put you put Biden up against Trump. You've just given Trump another four uh, years. See, you oh. put those choices in the way that you did. You're this as bad as so Trump, sour. basically. That's what I'm saying, that you're basically, <laughs> you and Sophia, you're as bad as President Trump. So, <laughs> the truth must hurt. All right. So that's it. I mean, I'm sorry. I hate, I, I, I hate to bring you the truth about yourself like this, but. Well, I hate that you're not practicing democracy, you know, and you're not, you're not voting. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Stay I at mean, home all your life. The habit of a lifetime, eh? Yeah, <laughs> you know? I mean, where? Nah, no. I mean, that's no. it. That's it. You know, it's like <laughs> no, withdrawing in disgust is not the same as that for you. Uh, absolutely. I mean, if you want me to go back and spoil my ballot. I can if you want, but it's not going to stop Lord of the Rings from just, you know, marching to the top like you know it's going to do. Yeah. And you you made that happen. You made that happen. You you can't blame you can't yeah. blame the voters when they're given a poor choice, you know? Hey. I blame Sophia. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I mean, passing the buck. You know? If you're going to compare me to Trump, I'm going to pass the buck. I claim zero responsibility. Uh, <laughs> another thing we've been doing was this uh, a couple of weeks ago i mentioned the recreate the frame thing um that's ended now oh, i love that and yeah, we're starting cool. to see some of the the frames that people sent in uh, appear throughout our social media feeds so if you want to check that out or see the super oscars and get your vote in for that you can go to prince charles cinema's instagram facebook or twitter those uh, links are out there. You can check out what's going on with all this recreate the frame stuff. It's really awesome. All the people who sent in, we had like 
tons and tons and tons of entries. We whittled it down to like 40 something things that really, really were awesome. And then we had to keep whittling that down to finalists and and shortlist and all that. So it's going to be interesting in the next week to see like who ends up winning because we're going to put the final to the, the voters out there. So if you want to have your vote, just tune in to the Prince Charles Cinema's uh, pages and also get on our email list. Go to PrinceCharlesCinema.com. There's a join your mailing list thing that pops up or it's on the right-hand side of the page and you get to see all that stuff. Uh, speaking of which, every week we've been doing this thing from hello at PrinceCharlesCinema.com mailbag. It's uh, a question we ask you guys and then we get the answers and I've been reading them out on the podcast, which has been fun. So this week's question is, what is your favorite biographical film? Oh, yeah. I think Rob just said his. Yeah. Amadeus, that's your boy. No, no, I didn't. I did not <laughs> say my favorite. Yeah, what's your, what's your favorite, Rob? <laughs> Snow Contest, Mission Mario Life in Four Chapters. Okay. Uh, Everyone remember that name of that film there? Because uh, <laughs> that will come in handy coming. in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very excited for that one, actually. Yeah. I'm interested to hear that. That'll be a good one. Yep. Caroline, how about you? What's your favorite biographical film? Um, I'm actually not sure. Dead Air. Dead Air. I completely killed it. Um, <laughs> I, I keep an eye on Facebook and I saw this one and I was like, mm, I actually don't know. And I never, I didn't really, uh, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Ghost World. Can, any, uh, can anyone tell I'm looking at a list right now? Just Behemian trying to fill the air Phil. with words. Phil, Phil, what's your favorite? We can come back to Carolina if she ever figures it out. Ed Wood. Ed Wood. Ed Wood cool. is pretty Ed good. Wood. Sweet. That's a good one. All yeah, right. I'll and choose that. And Ed Wood, wouldn't they? <laughs> 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 um, sorry, I, I got a bad connection. I might have to shut this down. Uh, <laughs> Whoops. Oh, I'm going through a tunnel. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite uh, biopic? Um, I, uh, if it counts, Last Days. Which oh, one's that? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Gus Van Sant kind of Kurt Cobain one. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. a bit of a grey area, that one, isn't it? Yeah, because it's not necessarily Kurt Cobain, but... Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's, kind of that's, a, yeah, that's yeah, a really that's good one. That's kind of why I like it. Yeah. Um, if not, I just rewatched Love and Mercy, and that really mm, good. That's Dude, one. I think Love and Mercy is one of those underrated things. It it, it like Me too. it really just snuck through. We we screened mm-hmm. it when it came out, but um, it's one of those things that was like it had a bit of buzz when it came out, but then it just kind of like everyone forgot about it. But it's pretty solid. Pretty solid film. Good, good. It's Paul Dano, that, isn't it? Yeah, Paul Dano yeah. and John Cusack is pretty damn good in it. He well. is good, but he's not. I, I don't think he comes across as like overly Brian Wilson. Yeah, no, not like, at all. Know, his, yeah. like, his performance is good, but like as Brian Wilson, yeah, I'm not sure. I think yeah. it's kind of hard to pull off Brian Wilson as like a full grown <laughs> crazy old, old yeah. man, you know? Yeah, you just got to <laughs> yeah. stare into space a lot, and, like, like <laughs> California girls to yourself. <laughs> yeah, so that that one or um, Batman. Batman, <laughs> our very own Batman. Uh, you can call him call him with the gimp suit icon symbol, the gimp symbol. Uh, Jamie, what's your favorite biographical film? 
you did this to yourself. <laughs> uh, I mean, I know. Uh, I'm going to say Young Frankenstein, I think, because it's like it's rare that a historical movie is so accurate. Um, so Young Frankenstein, I think, for me. Um, um, I mean, if uh, if, uh, if I was nobody going to touch it. If, if I, I was forced to, to pick a second. Uh, <laughs> I'm just then letting him bat himself out of this corner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's uh, let's have the devils as a as a backer. Though, nice, because that's right. cool. that's biographical. Cool. And you? I I really like obviously Goodfellas. You know, it's a good good solid mm. film. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, Catch yeah. me if you can is yeah, one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. And if I want to go for something that's a little bit silly, um, I absolutely love La Bamba. Uh, oh, me too. Balance. The Richie oh, Valentine. Yeah. So I've good. got. I, I've actually got like a story about this film. So yeah. This film, like I've got like PTSD from this film. <laughs> right. When I went to Australia, we stayed with like some relatives, me and my dad, and my dad was like fucking insistent that I try a shrimp on the barbie. Yeah. Right. And oh, I, I've, yeah. I've, I've I've always had an aversion to like shellfish. Um, never wanted to try it. Thought they looked disgusting. So my dad makes me try. I ate half of it, and I'm like, that's fucking rank. Spit it out. And then about 10 minutes later, I start getting like a really fucking bad allergic reaction to it. Oh, no. Like, or like my hands swelling up and stuff like that. So I have to go lie down. And so these like distant relatives are like filthy fucking rich. They're in the freezer business, which I guess in Australia is pretty big. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, they would do well in Mad Men. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm lying on the floor, right, in this fucking <laughs> huge room where they've all moved in to sit and watch a film. I'm lying on the floor. Someone should have taken me to fucking hospital. This business, but I'm lying, the, and, and the whole room is surrounded with like Michael Jordan memorabilia. Yeah. So like, there's just all these images of Michael Jordan, and on the TV, La Bamba, the Ricky Valens story was playing, and I just, I, I could just hear like, because I'm like getting like a fever and like getting a bit delusional, and I can just hear La Bamba, and it's like echo, it's echoing around, yeah, and it's like every time I hear that, I'm like, oh. Oh, oh. <laughs> it's a sweet sound of death. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that film. I, I primarily am a Buddy Holly fan, like really, really big Buddy Holly fan. And there is that Buddy Holly story with Gary Busey, but it is god awful. <laughs> Gary Busey ruins every song. Like I'm, I just think like how hard is it to play the song right? Because you have one job to pretend that you are, are, are Buddy Holly. I've never read anywhere that he's very bad at playing his songs the way that they're on the records and stuff so like <laughs> but anyway uh la bamba has marshall crenshaw playing a buddy holly in it and it's fucking magnificent anyway uh we had quite a few emails a lot of people were saying raging bull is mm. their favorite it's a good yeah. shout there's yeah. some love for man on the moon and also for lawrence of arabia uh we had tony he emailed in and said my favorite biographical film is audacious, gripping, experimental, and still banned by the Carpenter's estate. The superstar, the Karen Carpenter uh, story. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Anton said, uh, well, it's so hard to pick just one, and I have a joint pair. They're both so wildly different from each other. Andre Rublev, directed by Tarkovsky, is just immaculately shot, so austere and formal, whereas Bonnie and Clyde, directed by Arthur Penn, is rough and tumble oh, and chaotic. Yeah. For very different reasons, they are both my number one. And then we've got Victoria, who is uh, right there with you, Caroline. Ed Wood, 
still my favorite yes. Tim Burton movie and is one of Johnny Be- Depp's best roles ever. I watch it every Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> a great, great uh, soundtrack too. A great score. Mm-hmm. I can't believe no one said walk hard. Walk hard, yeah. <laughs> I I think Dewey some Cox people said walk the line, but uh, you know Dewey Cox mm. for me is yeah. is a little bit better than Johnny Cash. He's the more iconic. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> I well, love Johnny Cash. I didn't really like the film Walk yeah. the Line. I thought it was a bit. Mm. I like the movie, but it's like one of those become. Like every cliche is in that movie. Every biopic is the same in Walk the Line. There's always yeah. a scene where they break a kitchen sink. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I, gem- I generally find yeah. biopics to be pretty, like, iffy. Like, they're really yeah, easy to be fan. so bland. So I'm not bland. a fan, which is why my picks are where they are, because I'm just yeah. like, you know, well, I mean, it's, it's an instant turn-off. I'm sure there probably is a film that I really love that happens to be um, biographical, but I can't think of what it might yeah. be. Well, well, like I, 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 I think t- it's usually tends the best ones usually tend to like really understand the topic and and then stylize it heavily. Yeah, like really yeah. lean into like rather than like depict like things how like chronologically or how they happened. Like try and get to like the truth of the matter. That's why I think mm. Mishima's so phenomenal. Yeah, you know, cause it, it, yeah. Well, the good thing about biographical films is they're very, very broad. Yeah. And there's a lot of biographical films out there that you might not even think about as a biographical film. Yeah, just absolutely. It's a great story. Which I think is sort of like where, you know, any kind of film like that is a success. Mm-hmm. And it's something I've been thinking about a lot with movies in general. The thing that for me is most magical about a film is when you make me care about something that I wouldn't normally give a shit about. Right. If I can sit down and you can engage me and you can make me sort of like take me through a story mm-hmm. that I would have offhand be said, I'm not interested in that. Why am I going to watch that? Um, and actually make me love it, then great. And that's like one of the sweetest thrills with cinema in general, really. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But out of all the sort of genres, that's not one which leaps out at me as being something where I've ever had that level of satisfaction. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, Amadeus, great film. Really yeah, love Amadeus, yeah. um, I mean, but again, you know, it wouldn't know, it wouldn't automatically jump out of you as being a biographical movie, even exactly. though it yeah. never is. For I sure, think, yeah. I think in part that's because it's one, it's not based on a, technically, it's not based on a true story; it's based on a play. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's on conjecture. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's stylized <laughs> such, and you know, yeah, I mean, kind of, yeah. I never see it as a biopic, exactly. To be yeah, fair, yeah. but. But I mean, I, I mean, for instance, t- today's film. Exactly. Let's get into it. Let's do it. What's up, Cinecasters? This is Jonathan here. Now, I've seen a lot of people asking how they can help out the Prince Charles Cinema while our doors are shut during the COVID-19 pandemic. And I'm interrupting this podcast to let you know a couple of ways you can do your part to help out. Number one, you can buy a membership. It's the most affordable cinema membership around, getting you up to four pounds off screenings and saving you 15% off of all drinks and snacks at our bar and kiosk. Plus, there's local business discounts, and you can also get access to our one-pound member screenings. Membership starts at the low price of 10 pounds a year. And on a side note, we're going to be extending all those annual memberships to make up for the time lost during this closure. Or 60 pounds for a lifetime. Now that's stupidly cheap and it never expires. You already have a membership? 
Well, you can buy a gift membership for a power loved one, or you can pick up gift vouchers to spend in place for future cinema tickets or drinks and snacks when we reopen. All these great things can be found at princecharlescinema.com. We know times are tough and money is tight. So even if you can't afford this, you can do your part by spreading the good word of the Prince Charles Cinema. If you love us and you support us, tell your friends about us. All this goes a long way to ensure that we're operating at full steam when the doors are open again. Until then, be safe, be kind, be well. We'll be back. Rob, you wanted to speak of this. You and Jamie talk about this film a lot. We yeah. talked about this Too film much. a little bit. <laughs> first much. time I, I'm not going to lie, first time I've gotten to see it. What film What film are we talking about today? Uh, I chose uh, 1971's The Devils by Cam Russell. The Devils Burn. An explosive film. Absolutely brilliant. ABC TV. Superbly, frighteningly effective. Time magazine. But of course I can prove nothing. This mother superior may be little more than a hysterical nun. Exactly. Mere conjecture. And what form does this incubus take? The Devils is not a film for everyone. Vanessa Redgrave, Oliver Reed, in Ken Russell's film of The Devils. Then it's probably my favourite film. I would, I reckon. You know, wow. if if I had to, if something was to sit atop that podium, it would probably be this film. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I think it's a fucking masterpiece, and it's also got a very interesting production and a post-release history. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a good, good one to talk about because I doubt we'll be screening it anytime. <laughs> <laughs> anytime soon. I mean, we have tried. But... Yeah. yeah. But. We could live stream it. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, mean. I think uh, I think there is the. Um, I think it's possible to get the rights to screen the originally heavily edited version. Yes. Um, because I mean, even then, we're only talking about ninety seconds in total of being well, missing well, from the film, right? Really? No, no, it's um, more than that. I watched no, the scene last night. Yeah, yeah, and they're not. I mean, the the rape of Christ scene is does go on a bit, right? Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, the full scene because I've I, we've probably watched the same copy. Then it's kind of like work print values, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and uh, it's which is a shame because you know, I mean, one of the things that I love about the movie is all controversy aside and the subject aside, it's beautifully shot. Um, oh, yeah. the, the Derek Jarman sets in that are just amazing. It's like, yeah. it's like, how could they have not seen the talent that was Derek Jarman coming in 1971? Because mm-hmm. it looks like no other film. And, nah, uh, it doesn't. It's like the way some of the actual shots and the frames all come up, it's just like it's really kind of breathtaking and really exciting. And that's the thing about if you get hold of a copy or you get hold of the deleted scenes which are available, their, their work print quality and so you know it's kind of like they yeah. jar very much with the aesthetic of the rest of the film as it's presented yeah. but but there is a uh, there is a there is a print that's got the whole unedited one that they found i think some some years ago so i think the 
part of the reason the quality is quite different is because um, it usually gets paired with like remastered versions of it. Right. But I know that I know that they found a whole print um, from whatever screening they did initially to the sensors and stuff, which is where those uh, I think where they've, they've become come yeah the from. the the print that nobody will own up to existing anyway. Yes, yes, uh, that one. Which, <laughs> which yeah, which if it is of the quality of the um, scenes that you can view online at least, then it would actually be of decent exhibition quality because there are some scratches mm. and there are some dirt, but. We show much worse all the time, so it wouldn't be too bad at all if that's what's I mean, available. But well, if nobody's going to own up to the existence of it, then there's not much we can do. Well, yeah. it's total bullshit, isn't it, though? Because it's been screened at BFI so many times. Like, every five or six years or so, they'll screen it. Like, I don't think they're screening from the 35 mil, though. Right, okay. Yeah. I it, think, uh, and that's the thing. Um, I like when they do that, they see pretty much what you can get through other methods and means and i think some countries may even be allowed to distribute it but it's uh america and here uh the big warner brothers lockdown on it i think yeah i, think. I mean i'm not mark mode don't get me wrong <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's get into this we're going to get into all the ins and outs of this and uh we'll give a little time on of where we're at with this now but uh we were talking about the devils in 17th century france father grandier <laughs> Oliver Reed. Mm, Oliver Reed. Mm. <laughs> He's looking good in this one. Yes. I think everybody's in agreement here. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's like, I mean, it doesn't matter what your orientation is, it's not gay to want Oliver Reed inside <laughs> of you. Um, particularly not when it's Oliver Reed from the Devils. It's like, that's just natural because that is sort of like, you know, that's where masculinity peaked. Yes. <laughs> literally. I'm and that's literally. That. And that's literally what the movie's about. Yeah. <laughs> right, so let's start this again. In the 17th century France, Father Grandier is a priest whose unorthodox views on sex and religion influence a passionate following of women and nuns, including the sexually obsessed sister Jean, played by Vanessa Redgrave. Woo! When the power-hungry Cardinal Richelieu, played by Christopher Logue, realizes he must eliminate Grandier to gain control of France, Richelieu portrays Grandier as a Satanist and spearheads a public outcry to destroy the once loved priest's reputation. And I mean, you know, it's like shout out to Vanessa Redgrave in this film. And this is the other thing about the film. And one of the reasons the film is magnificent is you can take every single actor throughout that movie and they all put in an absolutely sterling performance. It's like, you know, you get some films these days that are made which don't even have one actor turning in a performance. That's half of what you get out of each actor in The Devils. It's just mm-hmm. remarkable. Vanessa yeah, Redgrave, from the very moment she appears on screen, is such a young actress as well. Yeah, you know, and she she wheels down that corridor inside that fucking that toilet of a convent, yeah? Because, <laughs> uh, like, the way Dojarman decided to make it all look like a public toilet was just, like, struck yeah. genius again. And she has her head tilted to one side, and the look in her eyes, and, I mean, that is that is just next level. It's one of my favourite scenes <laughs> yeah, nah. in cinema, yeah. And Amazing. then she laughs, and that yeah. laugh, that yeah. totally, like, the, the way she manages to do unhinged, 
devoted, yeah. religious mania, psychotic, one. repressed sexuality, all in one, all in just like a single shot. And it's all there. And it's like, oh, my God, what skills, what absolute pure acting chops no, you've got coming off yeah, that woman incredible. in the film. Yeah, where was she when they were casting Sound of Music? <laughs> but apparently they originally, they offered the role to Glenda Jackson originally. Yeah, they did. Really? Yeah. And um, she turned it down because she was fed up to playing sexually neurotic women in uh, his movies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, she, didn't want, she didn't want to work anymore, basically. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah no, she's, she, yeah, I think Oliver Reed tends to get a lot of her. A lot of the heat for this this film, but yeah, she's she's like phenomenal. I agree, everyone in it. I mean, like the fucking uh, Father Berrier, like the Exorcist. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, he's crazy. Yeah. He's, he's crazy. He's, he's mental, but he's fucking cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, he looks like he should be like a rock star, you know? Yeah, like, like yeah. the sleeveless fucking yeah. like uh, yeah, garments and stuff. Yeah. And he's he's unhinged as fuck. Yeah. yeah. Oliver Reed has said that it's his favorite film that he's done. And I think that's awesome because this film, obviously, you know, there's a lot of issues all around it, which we'll get into. But, uh, you know, Oliver Reed, my God, sex God. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. He, he looks so good in this film. He, he, he looks like, does, he? I, I feel like maybe may, like Phil and Rob might get this reference, but my God, he looks like Austin Aries. The greatest man who <laughs> yeah. ever lived. It's A-double. unbelievable. Yeah. The film is supposed to be in France, but it's so goddamn British, which is hilarious. Yeah, very. I had to keep Googling it. Yeah. <laughs> when Grandier first appears in the city, and uh, particularly like when all the nuns are freaking out and stuff, and, and Jean is looking out, and you can hear someone that sounds like Marsha from Space. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Oh, you can have me anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's like with like the surgeon and butcher running around. Oh yeah, they're like Del Boy and Rodney. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> now that's a man worth going to hell for. A right one, yeah. Yeah, it's a great line. And I mean, again, the whole film. You go on IMDb and look at the quotes for the devils, and yeah. it's like uh... it's it's so all the dialogue is fucking <laughs> superb, man. Yeah. You know, yeah what fresh lunacy is this? A crocodile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. The, the script is so dense yes. when you listen to it. Like some of the, yeah. like, the philosophical rants that they go on, like are obviously so heavily based in like theology and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, it does feel really dense, but at the same time feels quite like it feels like modern and not alienating in a way, yeah. I think, which is Definitely, pretty remarkable. Yeah. Well, like we said, this is from 1971. It is a British historical drama from Ken Russell. After the success of Ken Russell's Women in Love from 1969 in the U.S., United Artists, who produced that film, suggested that Russell adapt Aldous Huxley's 1952 nonfiction book, The Devils of Loudon, which concerned the alleged 17th century possessions in Loudon, France. Russell wrote the screenplay based on Huxley's novel, as well as John Whitting's 1961 play, The Devils, which itself was based on Huxley's work. So there are some extraneous elements incorporated into the screenplay that were not found in either source, uh, including details about the plague, which is we were talking about a second ago with the crocodile, which I think (laughs) is such a great addition to the story uh, because it's absolutely bonkers. 
those two guys doing the surgeries and stuff and that scene is yeah. so horrifying <laughs> like yeah, near the wasp and stuff to watch. Yeah. Uh, i mean those that that pair the are they like plague doctors i suppose yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah they are two of the most horrifying things from it definitely all the way through <laughs> um and they're brilliantly played as well i forget the name of the actors that play them but they're yeah. brilliant yeah. yeah the guy who keeps uh, saying all the latin Latin names of everything in like this little weaselly accent. Like, yeah. And then they get their syringes out on their anima tubes and it's oh, like gosh. the level yeah. of horror is, it's just something yeah. else. Definitely. Yeah, because they're so blasé. Yeah, but also yeah. like when they inspect uh, Vanessa Redgrave's character at first, when they first start looking into the thing and they're like walking in like, good morning, good morning. <laughs> yeah. And then they're like pulling out all these like boiling Very water. Very good point, your majesty. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing, though. It's like it's, that's the banality of evil thing, isn't it? It's like yeah. they are they're cheap and cheerful, exactly like the workers who would right now take you to be left to die on your hospital ward somewhere. Not like it's topical with plague being um, <laughs> in there at the moment or abuse of power in the face of something like a plague. Um, yeah. But Sexual I did repression. find a few interesting echoes in that at the moment, really. Mm-hmm. It felt like it really fit nicely in uh, with what currently is going on. This whole story, and I'm sure we'll get into a little bit more about that in a bit, but like, yeah, the whole plague thing, I mean, it was just like, oh God, another element to add. I feel like a lot of the stuff we've been watching and talking about and discussing during this whole time has been uh, pretty apropos <laughs> for like yeah, the time that we're in. Yeah. The plague stuff uh, was supplied by Ken Russell's brother-in-law, who is a scholar of French history. Uh, when Russell said said that, like when he first read the story for *The Devil's Ludon*, he was completely knocked out, and it was just so shocking. And I wanted others to be knocked out by it too. I felt I had to make it. Though Russell admired uh, Whitting's play, he he mainly drew from Huxley's book, as he found the play too sentimental. Uh, United Artists announced the film in August of 1969 with Robert Soule to produce under a three-picture deal with the studio and Russell to direct. Filming was set to start in 1970 in May, but however, after United Artists executives read the screenplay, they refused to touch it, (laughs) abandoning plans to fund the production. (laughs) And then probably against their dismay, I don't know, it seems like, in retrospect, they seem like they uh, thought it was the worst decision they ever did. Eventually, Warner Brothers picked up the film production. <laughs> I wish they hadn't, basically. Yeah. Is, yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, fair play. Let's let's be thankful to them for doing that. I mean, yeah. it might never have been made, which would have been a tragedy, really, because yeah. that was like... You know, it's everything came together perfectly for that film, really. Yeah. And so, you know, a different casting or a different set designer or even a different um, director of photography, you know, could have made all the difference. Yeah. Um, and it could have not come out quite as, like, the little bit of genius that it is. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. absolutely had no idea what to expect when I saw this. Like I said, this is the first time I, I watched it. It's been something that I've heard of of years, particularly more so along like the lines talking to you guys and stuff about it. Like I know Rob, you've mentioned it to me before in the past, and like you know I've heard of it, knew a little bit about it, didn't know enough about it, never watched it, and I was kind of scared, you know, going into it. Like I didn't know what to expect, and when I turned it on, especially watching it with Julia, my wife, because sometimes 
you know, if I know it's going to be maybe a bit like, like, you know, uh, she, she might be like, ah, shit, what do you fucking show me? But, uh, yeah, we were both like absolutely loving it. It was so fun. Uh, Oliver Reed is incredible. Vanessa Redgrave is incredible. Um, you got Georgia Hale's character who's hilarious Mm -hmm. as well. Um, or sorry, Georgina Hale. Uh, who plays uh, Philippi or Philip or what? Is that How the one in all name? the makeup? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Whoever it is that plays Sister Agnes as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. She's great. Really, really so, yeah. great. It's incredible. Uh, really, so you really, in general, you really enjoyed it, then. That's really awesome to hear because you know there's yeah. nothing worse than going on about a movie and then somebody finally checks it out and goes, you know what? <laughs> no. No, it was uh, no, it was no. just perfectly fun. I mean, like uh, that's, just, that's the thing is fun. Yeah, it's just it so fun. Like it has elements to it where it's like it feels like it's so serious and real. And Oliver Reed plays it like Shakespeare almost. You know, it just like yeah. it's brilliant. And then you have things like that just feel so British and cheesy. That like ring of of uh like monty python or something you know it feels like a lost uh-huh. arc of life of brian or something at times but then it just like comes yeah, back into like very serious it's so fun yeah i mean i think ken russell was a master at capturing that sort of really sort of like i don't know like tea and scones kind of like campy british <laughs> like, like almost like it's almost like proper but it's in yeah. such poor taste at the same time like yeah He's he's got such a flamboyant like yeah almost like that old American sort of view of Britain as like you know really queer and camp and and yeah. like sort of everyone's pompous as fuck like it's got all the best aspects of that in it I think mm-hmm. yeah I feel like uh, Vanessa Redgrave like like just beyond just her character and how she's acting and stuff just the little elements they added to her like the hump from her yeah. her insane scoliosis it was like. <laughs> Very reminiscent of uh, the sister from Pet Cemetery, like yeah. is frightening as fuck. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ken Russell's referred to Redgrave as one of the least bothersome actresses that he could have ever wished for. She just threw herself well, into it. Yeah, so it's a really nice thing to say. That sounds like a compliment. Yeah. Yeah. No, apparently she was just so good and just was very playful with everything and, uh, you know, just fit in so nicely, didn't cause any problems. Um, I, uh, I watched a documentary about the, the making of it last night called um, Hell on Earth. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. So the guy who, I can't remember his name, um, the guy who plays, like, Rishu's, like, I don't know, like, the dude going around trying oh, to the get... the Baron. Yeah, the Baron, yeah, that's it. Baron, yeah. he, he, he was saying, like... Because it all, it sounded like a pretty heady set, to be honest. Because a lot of like naked people running around, and, like, mm-hmm. and that apparently Vanessa Redgrave would just sit like sit there reading these huge tomes on like Chinese economy and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> just... yeah. Caroline, what was your first experience seeing this film? Um, well, I bought it in Fop on DVD. Yeah. Um, and I watched it twice in one night. Because it was, I thought it was so sick. <laughs> nice. And oh, was then, that actually? I think I remember that. You yeah, yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we talked about it behind the kiosk. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I thought it was so sick. And then when I watched it the first time, I was like, "Wait, should I watch it again?" Or yeah, <laughs> yes. go on. And it's just, it's so sick. I, uh, I love it. The nuns, I just, yeah. they're so, they're so cute. 
Like, the way she's running around there, like, yeah. The, I love all the it. all the cast, like the extras and everything, all the people who are like the nuns and just yeah, everything like the people who, who occasionally appear in the town and <laughs> and all that are just ridiculous. Yeah. Apparently, mm-hmm. Ken Russell hired a large cast of extras, whom he later referred to as a bad bunch, um, <laughs> because they were pretty demanding and entitled, and uh, allegedly wow. that uh, one of the female extras of like who was appearing as a civilian was like sexually assaulted by another male extra. And uh, like Oliver Reed at the time had a reputation, uh, you know, obviously, obviously like he was, I think a bit of an alcoholic (laughs) and uh, would be a bit of a bad influence on set disruptive and all that sort of stuff. But apparently he was absolutely amazing with this uh, girl and behaved impeccably with her and i think like really that really like was shocking to a lot of people who were on set with oliver reed and he was apparently just amazing so it's kind of nice to see that he had a really good time with this film was doing really well and in the ends even though it's one of the craziest like films probably of his career and uh probably more so for the like notorious nature of it after the fact and all the censors and all that sort of stuff that um he thinks it's one of his best films so that's cool well, see, that's the thing that's like so tragic about the censorship issue with this and the fact mm-hmm. it's still quite hard to get screenings of it up on the go is it totally overshadows the movie because that really yeah. is not what it's about and it's yeah. not that shocking and it's not that outrageous. Not really, yeah. not even by the standards then, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, my understanding is there was a particularly puritanical... Um, Board at Warner Brothers at the time that took particular offence on a religious level towards yep. some of those things, and I can get that and I understand that because it's meant to be provocative without a doubt. You don't do the things that they did, like the rape of the Christ statue and, mm-hmm. and the uh, masturbation with the shin bone, unless you're aiming to be provocative in the first place. But that encapsulates the whole thing, the whole point of the story being about yeah. the abuse of power, well, it, it, uh, it does. all of this. And it's like, and it derails it and detracts from it. And it's a real shame because what you're talking about is ultimately, like what you guys have said, it's just great fun. It's a yeah. Right, sort of like you know, well, hitting those targets and making those points and getting all these outstanding performances out of people, those are the things that should be focused on, not the fact that it was all so controversial that it had yeah. to be banned because it really didn't. No, it definitely didn't need to be banned at all. And actually, I think interestingly, in that in that same documentary, there was a, a priest who was uh, part of like a New York sort of thing to do with their advise on censors. I guess they were like a think tank kind of group mm-hmm. who had a lot of influence. And he said he saw the original version as it was supposed to be. And he didn't, he couldn't understand why it would get banned because he, he, because, because initially it got called like blasphemous. These scenes yeah. were like blasphemous, mm-hmm. but he was like, they're depicting blasphemy. And yeah, he was like, because in, in this scene, while that whole thing's going on, it cuts a few times to Oliver Reed giving mass and like sure. he's having this really spiritual yeah. moment like and and, and and he was like you know by juxtaposing those moments it's showing like the perversion of the church yeah and catholicism but 
also it like contrasts it with these like deeply spiritual moments of like a man finding yeah totally finding his spirituality kind of thing and that might know? be the guy that said that cutting the extremity of some of those things uh, actually undermines the impact yeah. of the positive side of it yeah no that, you know does. that despite despite all of this debased behavior this guy has got his faith and he, he yeah. never re- he never yeah, assumes like, his faith it's, you know it's really like so, redemptive so, yeah. Well, in a sense, yeah, it's like as as the church falls, he is like having his spiritual like awakening because yeah. uh-huh. he he starts the film off pretty nihilistic, doesn't he? You yeah. know, with the, the whole bit yeah. with that girl he's been sleeping with, and she's like, "What about How can love?" I help you? Yeah, yeah, you know, and he's like, "What about love?" And he's like, "What about love, indeed?" And then you know, she touches <laughs> him, and he's like, "It's it's like touching the dead, isn't it?" Yeah. And then yeah. by the end of it, he's this really like deep. I don't know, like he's willing to oh, sacrifice he- himself. Exactly, he wants to die and then ends up wanting to sort of, yeah, actually finding a meaning for it. Yeah, he starts to clean himself up a bit because he, like, obviously, at the beginning is this rock star who's been, you know, sleeping around, obviously, with everyone. And I've got to say that line when Georgina Hill tells him that she's pregnant and he goes, yes. and so it ends. <laughs> brilliant. brilliant. Oh. Uh, so fucking funny. But yeah, I mean, it's yeah it's crazy like the whole idea of it you know he starts to like you know think about you know marriage and stuff and there's that whole thing of why i I don't know if someone looks at that as thinking that's blasphemous it's just like how could you 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 think about religion and and uh priests and stuff like and not think about like dude they're humans they're men they they have needs they have i mean you know maybe not to the degree that Oliver Reed's character um, <laughs> might, you know, portray his needs or, you know, or get his needs. But, you know, I, I just think like, you know, it's, there's, it's always thought there of like people are, you know, just trying to live and mm-hmm. be a human and they can't always live up to this really crazy idea because humans aren't perfect. And well, that again is what's lovely between the two roles between Oliver Reed and Vanessa Redgrave in that, yeah? yeah. Because he, from the outset, he is enacting his desires. Definitely. And she is so brilliantly manifesting the representation of somebody who has repressed those desires. Mm-hmm. And I mean, she is, and again, her performance is the most magnificent representation of repressed desire. Yeah. 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 And you can see through her face there is the scene where she's praying with the. Um, with the rosary in her hands and she cuts herself because yeah. her, her repression is fantasizing this religious frenzy, which is mm-hmm. the sexuality confused into religion and back again. And apparently this used to happen quite a lot. Yeah, that yeah. Holy people would go through this religious ecstasy and it was sexual ecstasy because it was miswiring and gone weird. And that is represented between those two characters so well that the guy that who enacts upon his desires, actually, despite the fact he doesn't have a happy ending, mm-hmm. his path is redemptive. Whereas she, yeah. the repressed, you know, the actual icon of religion done properly in the eyes of the state and the church, she's a mess, you know? She's yeah, totally yeah. insane. And it is totally down. I know we have the machinations of Cardinal Richelieu who wants to achieve things for political reasons. Yeah. But again, it's totally much like in The Crucible where it all being down to the one girl. It's yeah. her that does it. It's everything yeah. that happens yeah. in that film is a result of her and her repressed sexuality. 
And yeah. that is probably one of the things that frightens people more about it than the representations of religious imagery being blasphemed, you know? Yeah, I would, yeah. I would imagine that's, that's true. Totally her. And that Definitely. is, like, again, one of the things I love about it because, you know, in the hands of a lesser actor, that might not have come across quite as powerfully as I think that it does when you watch her in that role and you see yeah. what she's doing with it, you yeah. know, because she conveys all of that so well. It's a good shout to sort of compare it to The Crucible. You know, it's like, and I yeah, feel like if The Crucible definitely. can get away with what it got away with and doesn't get nearly, I mean, obviously I can see why people are uneasy about certain aspects of this film, but like just uh-huh. the outright damnation of it compared to something like, I don't know, The Crucible. It's just like, you know, it's... Well, they're both telling a story a about the abuse of power through yeah. innocence being manipulated yeah. and perverted, aren't they? Mm-hmm. And that yeah. is like, again, very, very relevant. You know, yeah. we still live very much in a time where that is a tale that needs to be told. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I mean, yeah, let's get it back on our screens. <laughs> <laughs> because like any, yeah. anybody listening Uncut. to this, anybody listening to this who hasn't seen the film. Yeah, might be getting the impression that it's a bit of a laugh, a bit of a riot, almost like a carry-on movie. Absolutely which not. It certainly no, no. is. Definitely like, not. Yeah. yeah. But we're coming at it from a particular point of view, I suppose. But, I mean, please check it out. Get it, yeah. get it and see it, you know, even if we don't get to put it on our screens at some point. It's one of those films which it would be great to hear what somebody who's never seen it thinks about it. If yeah. they go and I mean, I just, I just watched it for the first time, literally before this recording, this phone call. Mm-hmm. And now hearing you guys talk about it, I really would like to watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> but it, yeah, you no, you're you're right. It's uh, it's really good fun, even with all the seriousness, the serious themes it's dealing with, and sort of yeah, the interplay of religion, politics, sexuality, the press denial, everything falls together perfectly. Um. In a way that makes you, I, I don't know, because I came in just like John, well, kind of scared. Cause I was like, I don't know what this is beyond yeah. I know this one's banned. I don't really know what it's about. I don't really like period piece movies. Um, but like Rob said, very modern, very accessible. Yeah. And just really fucking cool to like look mm. at and to watch and to experience. And then, you know, appropriately so very tragic that's this this is the thing that's really interesting about the film is that like in so many ways like say they just had like the aesthetic in place it it could it could have still been like a cult classic it would have been like one of those sort of like hammy like hammy movies that's got like an amazing sort of visual style or something like that or and or it could have just been like totally bombastic flamboyant over the top but like lack of depth yeah. Um, but or you know, alternatively, it could have been a really serious fucking like meditation on you know faith, religion, uh, sexuality, and stuff like that. But it's just like all three of those just like melded together, and it balances like it genuinely is a fun film. But mm-hmm. I mean, that whole like the whole last part of that film. I, it, to, to be frank, I'm I'm completely horrified by it every yeah. time. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, 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 yeah. It's it's really really you know, uh, disturbing and even the really fun bits, they're like, the way they're funny is it's, it's hysteria, isn't it? So it's, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it's completely caught up in this kind of like absurd song and dance that you can't help but laugh. But at the same time, you're disturbed by it. It's, it's very yeah. similar to like the lighthouse, for instance, I felt the same way about that. 
the fact it's historical, you know, roots are there and that these are the kind of things that used to happen in the name of uh, hunting witches, that it's like you feel the humour seep out of the situations, you know, when you when it becomes particularly barbaric um, towards, like, the height of the trial and the persecution of it. And it's like you suddenly cross that line where it's like, yeah, some of these nuns are funny, but this isn't funny. Yeah. You know, and that is like, again, it's, it's powerful. It really is. But then... That is the thing. Phil, on the version that you watched, did it have the scene with the shin bone in it at the end? I don't know. Because that's cut out. That's cut out with the yeah, thing, isn't it? it? The shin bone's there. The version, because Phil and I watched the same right. version, but it it's it's at the ends like he presents it and it's very just present it as phallic but yeah, and you right, can tell yeah, that yeah. she's like, ooh, but then it cuts away before yeah, yeah. Right. Anything she, happens. she yeah. does anything. Yeah, because yeah, she goes to masturbate with that. Yeah, it's, it's just heavily implied. <laughs> yeah. Just, the, just that, I, yeah. I watched I watched that scene as well. I've got some Blu-ray copy download of it. And, um, uh, yeah, uh, it had those two deleted scenes. Yeah, That's it. right, the scenes were yeah. made available on the DVD it, release. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's infuriating, though, because both of them add so much like layer. To the to, yeah, and, yeah, no, and I mean, that's it exactly. Yeah, yeah, and I mean that rape of Christ scene. Like, actually, after watching the documentary, I can see what they're saying. Like, it's actually like the thematic centerpiece of the entire film, and, yeah, it, and uh, it gets taken out, and it's not just it gets because I watched it and I was like, yeah, okay, that's like fairly shocking, but I didn't really consider it in the context mm-hmm. at first. But it, it really is like the moment where it all all really does tie together, and the, the, the center, the, the moral core of that film is actually in that scene which arguably is the most offensive scene you know yeah it's very clever storytelling it is yeah yeah well the explicit and violent content paired with the commentary on religious institution resulted in the film suffering significant censorship so we'll get into that censorship now the bbfc found that the film's combination of religious themes and violent sexual imagery a serious challenge particularly as the board was being lobbied by uh, socially conservative pressure groups such as the Festival of Light. Well, I mean, it's, shock- it's shocking, isn't it, that um, something could still have that much impact upon the availability of a work of art. Yeah. Well, in order to gain a release and earn a British X certificate suitable for those age 18 and over, Russell made minor cuts to the to m- the more explicit nudity, mainly the cathedral and convent, convent scenes, uh, details from the first exorcism, mainly that which indicated an anal insertion uh, when they were doing the. Oh God, what's what were they doing? Um, <laughs> it's like a, it's like a giant boiling, boiling yeah, it was like an holy enema. water. Yeah, it's exactly. an enema, basically. It's, it's, it's very suggestive, yeah. anyway, even if you don't see it. Uh-huh. It's probably then, better that you don't see it, actually. Exactly. I yeah. feel it hurts more. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of the, the trick to good horror sometimes is uh, what you don't see. The suggestion Not of it. 99% of the time, yeah. Yeah. Also, which this was also pretty scary in the film. Um, they took out some of the shots of the crushing of Grandier's legs. And, okay. uh, the version I saw did have one very quick flash to yeah. those legs. And again, yeah. that works really well because yeah. you have to watch that excruciating scene. I, I was tightening up. Again, yeah. watching it last night, and but then that one cut to it is so like brief. That yeah, it's just like you're just like overcome all of a sudden by like the actuality, actual horror of it, and then just gone. 
Yeah, uh-huh. and they cut out other bits of the climatic burning as well, but the bits they left in again, very, very terrible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a pretty seeing yeah, his face transform like yeah. Well, I mean, just well seeing done. it shaved, seeing it yeah. shaved is yeah. scary enough. Let's face pa- it. Apparently, yeah. they uh, they insured his eyebrows for a million because someone started saying that your eyebrows don't go back, and they were like, "Is that true?" <laughs> and they were like, "No one, no one could tell him straight." So they insured his eyebrows for a million. <laughs> amazing. That's amazing. That was a damn shame too, because Oliver Reed was like we've been saying he was gorgeous. In this film. He is, yeah. but then, everyone without eyebrows yeah. is creepy looking. <laughs> it, remi- it reminded well, me of uh, El Topo, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The same yeah. thing happened. Yeah. Yeah. He, he does not have, as beautiful as he is, he does not have the face for that. I mean, it, like yeah. Jamie said earlier, yeah. he's like, his beauty, he's, he's almost effeminate, but it's the most masculine kind of beauty. Sure. That, but then it becomes, it's so, so beautiful that it becomes yeah. almost effeminate. <laughs> and yeah, his face is a bit too like bulbous to take away. Yeah, yeah. All when the you hair. take away he that relies hair, on the hair. The hair. Take the away the hair. contouring. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a lot of flesh. <laughs> yeah, but his eyes, <laughs> the flesh become one in that film. That is insane. Flesh. Like when he uh. when he first shows up, all shaved up, and like goes like walks straight up to the camera, like in that really sort of like hectic way. His eyes are just like I don't know, they're just burning, you know. But just, <laughs> yeah. And a, but in a, in a, yeah, but in a totally different way because his, his eyes the whole time are just so you get lost in them. But yeah. early on, it's like really sexual, but then by the end of it, it's like just this horrific, but still as I don't know, like that's where it gets engaging. to the point where it becomes transcendental, though. And I mean, yeah, literally. and I think to a degree as well, that is again mirrored with Vanessa Redgrave because her, you know, She's in that situation where they've created a manic nun, and yet she's a really beautiful woman. And there yes. are some shots of her where you know where it lingers on her eyes and the faintest bit of a smile, sort of thing. And you look at her and you think, "Where? Yeah, there's a beautiful woman in there." Yeah. And again, it's very played very well into her role, sort of thing. Oh, they do. Yeah. That is squashed by everything. Uh, yeah. There's some interesting inversions there. I think that suggestion of that hump on her back or, or whatever, but like you see how beautiful she is despite that, and it's it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just like a a good a good sort of tool in the film to sort of uh-huh. get with her mindset and everything as well. Of course, no offense to anybody with no eyebrows, because Caroline was <laughs> no quite, offense, yeah. you know, no offense. To she was she was quite hard on people with no eyebrows, and there are yeah. a lot of people no. who can't grow eyebrows. And they're still beautiful people, uh, Caroline. I'm almost I finally said something. You know what? I should just leave. (laughs) God damn it. Uh, You should just pluck your eyebrows in solidarity. Well, yeah, I'll just do it. (laughs) Fuck it. And shave my head, too. And we'll still think you're beautiful. Oh, I didn't see that one coming. Oh. 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 It's a Kodak moment. Well, last yeah. la- last week, uh, <laughs> Phil was talking about shaving his head. So maybe during this week's podcast, uh, Caroline will shave her eyebrows. Yeah. I mean, I didn't actually do it. But <laughs> yeah, I no, mean, I but, heard they might yeah. not grow back. So yeah. yeah. All right. We'll pay you either way. All right, listeners out there, if you're willing to insure Caroline's eyebrows for a million pounds, <laughs> um, I she doubt might cut anyone them. will do that. <laughs> I'll insure them for a quid. I'll, go find oh, me. I'll just shave them yeah. off, and if they don't grow back, I'll just draw one like once every day. <laughs> yeah. And they'll like have a to be like, character. 
<laughs> yeah. You have to rub them out every time you like change emotion. Yeah. Mm. Oh. Send me yeah. five grand at paypal.me slash call for all and I'll definitely yeah. shave my eyebrows. <laughs> Doesn't take much. <laughs> Got nothing else to do yeah. during quarantine. Well, you said it. You said it. Yeah. So. The British theatrical cut of this film runs at 111 minutes, but in the US, the MPAA cut it to approximately 108 minutes. And also, it was awarded the illustrious X rating. The biggest cuts, as we mentioned, were from Warner Brothers themselves, who cut out the Rape of the Christ statue scene and lots of the masturbation in the film. Ken Russell said that Warner Brothers cut the best of the devils. Speaking of the American version, Russell stated that the cuts made adversely affected the story to a point where, in America, the film is disjointed and incomprehensible. The film apparently remained banned in Finland for over 40 years. That ban lasted until uh, November of 2011. Uh, and also it was banned in Italy. But the government, not only did they ban the film, they threatened the actors Vanessa Redgrave and Oliver Reed to condemn yeah. them to three years in prison if they stepped into their territory. Fuck. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be the one sent to arrest Oliver Reed to be honest <laughs> I wouldn't say no I mean yeah. you're going to get a fucking lamp in you're going to get a fucking bottle to the neck if you try that. kind of off topic but I really wish him and Russell Crowe had gone through with the fight that they always threatened uh-huh. each other with in Gladiator yeah. I actually reckon Oliver Reed he might have fucking lived. lamped him yeah. old man yeah, yeah definitely we've, we've had that conversation before. yeah we actually we have yeah. 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 He's, he a, he's a bull. <laughs> <laughs> well, some things Ken Russell has said at the time he made the film. He said, I was a devout Catholic and very secure in my faith. I knew I wasn't making a pornographic film. Although I am not a political creature, I always viewed The Devils as my one political film. To me, it was about brainwashing, about the state taking over, which is true. I mean, it's highly yeah. political. It's most it's it is political. Like for me when I saw it, I like I see where people are gonna get upset if they're like really into religion and fair enough if you are, but you know, it's I think you well, I mean that is that. religion is political, though. That yeah, is the thing definitely. that religion is political. Exactly. Is within that. The, f- yeah. the thing is as well, it's like a deeply religious film, I think. Yeah. I I don't think you can I don't think you can grapple with like that topic in the way that it does in, in the film without being religious. It's yeah. like, it is a deep, because he's actually grappling with these spiritual sort of like philosophical things that are not, it's not just decrying the church and look how barbaric it all was or anything like that. It's like, I don't know. I think there's a sincerity going on there that yeah. would definitely gets overlooked. Like, I think, yeah, I think you can't really, as well. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think you I can't mean, look at um, I think you're right. look at the time of what was going on, and this is when King Louis the Thirteenth was in power, and then you had Cardinal Richelieu, his right hand man, who was his first minister. Who isn't he the bad guy from Three Musketeers as well? He yeah. might be. Yeah. I'm he pretty is, sure. Uh, I'm glad is. you know that. Yeah. 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 He is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all round bad egg. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and uh, Dog Tanyon and the Three Musketeers <laughs> is in that as well, where he's Baron played by <laughs> where were you at when we were doing our dog films <laughs> oh man yeah so 
<laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say, though, I think that him is the first minister at the time. And I was looking into the real story behind this and stuff. And some of the stuff that uh, Ken Russell said that, like, you know, this film was nothing compared to the true story yeah. because it's really scary and really horrible, like what they were doing back then. Cool. And it was all for political gain. And, mm. you know, the, yeah, there's a lot it. of theories that, you know, that uh, Grandier, the actual Urban Grandier was was just subject to a political you know it was all a conspiracy to kill him to get rid of him so that they could take over that part of france and the whole yeah and the whole fact of of what what it was coming off of they had just ended the uh huguenots uh rebellions yeah. and there was my it jesus was, uh, better Protestant than your versus jesus. catholic and i yeah. think like you know if you're fighting I mean, religions fighting each other in general is silly, but if you're fighting within basically your same same sort of religion, you know, just like mm-hmm. one's once yeah, one's a Granny Smith apple, yeah. the other's a Brabrand, like you know, come on, like who cares? Like, I mean, chill out, like very, chill uh, out. I don't know. I mean, it's but that's the thing is it's totally it's transparent as fuck, as mm-hmm. you know, Grandier points out in his trial. It's like so transparent. What's going yeah. On. And then that stuff did go on like constantly, like especially yeah. like the Reformation stuff. Like it's totally like, you know, yeah, those those kind of like political machinations. And because there's no like media or anything like that, it's like very easy to sway people, you know, yeah. and just to do whatever behind the scenes. Because I mean, in feudalism like that, it's just it's the people in power really. It's like the people like you know, people have no power in clerics. Yeah. Well, even the people who are in power have no power because in this film in particular, the king, King Louis the Thirteenth, which we haven't really talked about much in, at all, but absolutely amazing portrayal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what Derek Jarman did with with uh, the set pieces surrounding him, his first appearance at the beginning of the film, that uh, yeah. Venus de Milo sort of thing, and then later uh, when the king is wearing like basically like a white cowboy hat almost and like shooting blackbirds and stuff. <laughs> bye and bye blackbird. Like, yeah, and they're all like Protestants, like these pretending they're Protestants or whatever. And it's just so weird and I mean, bizarre. I mean, I just I just got through listening to like a 50 episode uh, podcast on French Revolution. Mm. And I mean, I can I can pretty much confirm that whilst it is heavily like stylized and stuff, like the, the truth of the matter is in there. Like these, the, the Bourbons were a fucking ridiculously like hedonistic bunch of mm. numpties, basically. And like I bet shit like that did go on like, all the yeah. time. Like, well, like what I was getting at though was that the king himself basically had promised that uh, Ludan would be safe, um, that they wouldn't touch the walls because he respected the former governor there and would. Uh, basically said that he wouldn't touch the walls but of course as soon as that governor dies uh richelieu like realizes that he needs that part of france in order to take control of the whole country so he wants to take out the walls and even though the king told him no we're not going to touch it he still gets the king involved and sways him and changes everything and it's it's like it's crazy that even those in power there's other people that are in, in secret power behind them pulling the strings so that's a very i think transparent of what's going on in today's society like hugely relevant um, man hugely, yeah, relevant. hugely relevant yeah, yeah it is. 
Well, this was pretty funny. When c- critic Alexander Walker published an unfavorable <laughs> review of the film, yes, The Evening yes. Standard, he and Ken Russell were invited for a debate on BBC talk show where mm. Russell confronted Walker with an alleged inaccuracies in his writing. <laughs> Unfortunately, the footage has been lost and the stories Bam. about what happened different violently. But, however, both agree that the argument got so heated that Russell took his folded copy of the issue of the newspaper with the contentious review and hit Walker on the head with it. <laughs> that's the way to do it. Yeah, that's uh, in that documentary, they actually interview both of them side by side, going back and forth about that yeah. moment. And it's so <laughs> fucking funny. Like, it's so funny. Yeah. I wish that existed. Like. Yeah. Well, the film is one of the, it was one of the most popular movies in 1972 at the British box office, despite all the issues with the censorships and stuff. The film grossed approximately eight to nine million dollars in Europe and approximately two million in the United States, making it a worldwide total gross of about 11, 11 million. And uh, that's pretty like amazing, actually. I don't know what the budget was. I couldn't find that information. But I mean, at the time in 71, that's pretty good. I yeah. don't know how much they would have spent on the film, but they, Primarily filmed it at uh, Pinewood Studios uh, here in the UK near London. And I mean, all the sets were made of like plaster and stuff. And I, I can't imagine they they probably took a lot of time, but I can't imagine they were like, like in, in, incredibly expensive. I think yeah, Derek Jarman was just amazing at what he did. Yeah, I think it was some very savvy savvy work on Jarman's part I reckon I, I, I yeah I reckon they spent a lot less than it maybe looks like they did mm-hmm. well the extended version of this film running approximately 117 minutes with the aforementioned footage uh, restored was screened for the first time in London at, on the 25th of November in 2002 along with the making of, of documentary that Rob mentioned er- earlier uh, is titled Hello on Earth produced for Channel 4 the extended version was procured by Mark Kermode, who uncovered the footage in the Warner Brothers vaults. So, uh, home release has been incredibly bad for this film as well. Um, mm. There was an American VHS version that stated it was a 105-minute version, but it was really actually only like 103 minutes. Why lie? And uh, <laughs> there's been s- several bootlegs and stuff in it, like over the years. Yeah, and that that 103-minute thing, I think it was due to the fact that they like. It was something to do with like them speeding up footage and stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just to get it would have been the conversion. It would have yeah. been the conversion to NSTC. Yeah. Um, yeah. You instead you, of you PAL, basically, yeah, running a little bit faster. So yeah, yeah that's probably that's why uh, it makes sense. Yeah. That's about right. Apparently, in 2010, Warner released the 800-minute version, which is the version that most Americans would have seen in, when it came out. And that version came out on iTunes, but they took it down three days later for no reason. That's <laughs> <Back> enough. <laughs> you see, somebody, somebody yeah. in behind those scenes somewhere, somebody's throwing a tantrum, and they're Honestly, still throwing the yeah. tantrum about uh, what? What the fuck is it? Like, what the fuck? Like, why? It actually doesn't make sense. It's, yeah, yeah, it doesn't. Like, it's a maybe, personal maybe, thing, I think. Maybe, maybe it must be because at the time, at the time, at a stretch, I can sort Open of understand now. it. I mean, I'm 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 so against censorship that like yeah, yeah I, don't, I never agree with it, but I can understand it at the time. But now, yeah, now it's it's actually unfathomable, and it's yeah. a fucking joke. They're like holding back a very important cultural piece of British cinema, 
And, you know, yeah. they're not a British company or anything. I've, I mean, not to get nationalists or any <laughs> bullshit like that. But I've got, I've like, got, I've got a question should... for each of you, actually. If, if we were given the option, yeah, of either never ever showing the devils at the Prince Charles cinema, yeah, or being told that we can show uh, a reasonably censored version of it, not the original censor, but the one which is currently available to stream or buy. What do you think? Should we should we go ahead and show the censored version rather than never show it at all, Rob? I mean, I don't know. I because obviously, if this is if I have to choose one, and that's the end all, like we never show it and it will never get released. Then I would like, you know, very begrudgingly say show the film because it's still a master. I saw it. Yeah. I, I saw it uh, cut and I thought it, you know, that's that that is the only version I've really actually seen, probably the longest cut version. Um, yeah. and it is my probably my favourite film. So, you know, it but in reality, I don't think we should show it until we can show the whole film because I think it helps apply pressure to actually get the real release. Uh-huh. Maybe I don't know. So yeah, I, I think people deserve the opportunity to just see those sets on screen. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I yeah, I would say that I personally, I guess the version I saw must have been the version like what I was about to say. There's many years there was petitions for an unedited version in home release, mm-hmm. and in March 2012, the BFI released a two disc DVD which featured a 111 minute version of the theatrical version sped up to 107 minutes to accommodate the technicalities of power color. Uh, yeah. So that would have been the version, I guess, like roughly what Mark Camo was probably shown. I know he worked really hard on that release with BFI as well. And I think he did some extra stuff with them and they had some extra things in there and they had the hell on earth documentary, I believe in there. As yeah. Well. That's the one I was saying. Yeah. So I, th- I'm pretty sure that's the version I saw. Uh, I would 100% say I'd be up for that to go on screen. Like, I I think it was entertaining enough. I think it's, like, something like mm-hmm. Rob said that deserves to be seen. It is, it is a I think, an important piece of British film. I think the same year that it came out was, like, a, there was a lot of stuff going on where the censors were, like, you know... It was the same year as Clockwork Orange, wasn't it? Yeah, same yeah. year Clockwork Orange came out. They were having a fucking field yeah, day. They were having a field day for sure. And I think they, they weren't ready for how different society was turning. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not by any means, you know, saying anything, you know, to say that they were right for anything they did. But I just think, like, you know, it was a different time. And I think it deserves to be seen for sure. Well- and it, it interestingly in that documentary they talk because they interview the guy who was the one who basically had to give the go ahead for the censor, and apparently he was somewhat liberal minded, like he understood the sixties had gone on and blah blah blah. <laughs> and it, but the, but he he claims one of the reasons that they had to do it was because they were convinced. And I, I never really knew this about censorship boards, and or at least I've never thought about it this way. Is that basically the whole premise is to stop the film industry getting sued? really bad for like um moral standards uh, and practices or something like that yeah and he he was like i'm not i'm not particularly shocked by this film but he's like oh, i'm convinced like it, this will cause like a moral panic and it will get sued <laughs> and it could really damage like the film so he was yeah. like yeah we have to cut it like because of that but yeah 
there's i guess it's it you know it's uh it mirrors its own premise yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like yeah. Yeah. the the issues that it's dealt with and uh i think that's interesting and i you know i can see why they do it if there's they're really afraid obviously of that because it's happened throughout the years but i think now to, things have changed and some of the stuff that gets out there and makes it through the censors and doesn't get banned. And, uh, you know, it's, I mean, I'll, I'll say this passion of the Christ. Yeah. yeah. Well, fuck. They love I that. Far more and I think that's horrible like that, to watch. That, that like, it feels is like horrible. a fucking blasphemous film. Yeah. To be perfectly yeah. Honest with you. It's fucking it's, porn. It's like torture porn, you know? Yeah. It's it like, is. It is worse than Saul at times. I do not want to see someone getting beat. Two hours. I think Father Berrier like would make that three film. hours. <laughs> yeah. Feels like something he would make. Yeah. I yeah. watched Passion of the Christ in like Bible class <laughs> in fifth or sixth grade, yeah. and uh, every Jesus. parent were like to the to the. What do you call them? To the priest, we're like, what the fuck yeah. are you doing? Showing our kids there. Man, but yeah. we, were, we were there like, yeah, this is sick. This I, is like, not I, allowed to. I had to buy that off some guy who'd drive around in a car and sell pirated DVDs out. You had to. My parents would never watch it. So me and my three friends chipped in to buy that because we were like, we have to see what this film's uh, about. Like, I'm pretty sure it was horrible. required viewing for people in my my neck of the woods um, yeah. from where I'm from. <laughs> so yeah, yeah that's, that hopefully they don't listen to this twisted. podcast. <laughs> uh, well, that's us wrapping up on The Devil's uh any last thoughts from i'll let you guys go around caroline you want to go in why should people see this shit um because <laughs> shit oh uh, it's it's sick like great acting great characters like it, it looks incredible and it's just i i mean it's nuts and it's i i, I will say i mean i love it but i think it's one of those films that either you love it or you hate it and yeah. it could be cool if people watched it like if they didn't know about it and they heard about it on the podcast and they were like oh i want to check it out and if they love it like i mean i know when i watched it the first time like i i was so happy that i finally found it you know it's yeah. it's it's amazing oh and also it's quite a sweaty film too uh, <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah i mean oh god that oliver reed's big yeah. broad yeah. chest oh. yeah and what's oh. what's a girl with all the makeup like it's kind of like, yeah. melting yeah. off running yeah. down a bit it's yeah. hot isn't yeah. it it's hot uh, it's a bit like wake and fright whereas like yes, in the beginning yeah. you were yes. like oh it's fine in the end you're like oh it's <laughs> now yeah how about yeah. you phil um why should people watch this uh, devil shit? Um, <laughs> it, I mean, it's just really fucking out there and crazy. It's weird. Even the... I, yeah. Yeah, crazy. Exactly. Even. Weird. Jesus freak. Um, like, even, I guess, whatever cut version I saw was still worth watching. For everything that's already been said, it's an important sort of um, moment in British film history really bolstered by an amazing cast and performances. I've never seen Oliver Reed like in his prime. Like I unfortunately only yeah. know him from like the story, the chat shows, the and like Gladiator. But like I seeing this and finally seeing the like the delivery of what Fresh Luna see at this, like I get it. And it's just <laughs> it's worth watching yeah. for that alone. But no, it just 
it's just really it's really fun. It's a lot of fun, and it mixes a lot of interesting elements together. Just amazing to look at. Like you said, that was my favorite part about it: set, the clothes, the yeah. It's this weird line between sort of life of Brian and this sort of heavy um, period piece about um, church and state in, in like. 17th century France. Um, but it, yeah. it's just really fun, really worth watching. And fucking, yeah, it, like Caroline, you should, it's definitely worth one. It's one to check out because it could be your new favorite movie. It's just no fucking win. I've never seen anything like it. And I'm glad I saw it. Nice. But Jamie and Rob, you guys are the fans. Well, to, to avoid repeating anything that's already been said, uh, which I agree with completely. You need to see the devil so that hell holds no surprises for you. Get in there. <laughs> Go watch it. Perfect. Uh, God bless you. <laughs> God bless you. And Rob, you're the reason why we were here. Yeah, we blame so you. Get I mean, yeah. You've been allowed an hour and a half to talk on uh, about the devils on a Fucking podcast. Finally. I mean, I'm pretty sure I've tried on two occasions. <laughs> <laughs> in other ones. I've, I've brought them up. I mean, I don't know. It's just... Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of all been covered. I, I just it's just one of those films that I just had such a strong, powerful reaction to. It's just like an incredibly there's there's so much synchronicity going on between all the disparate parts, and every disparate part is is fucking genius. And you mm-hmm. just wouldn't have seen anything like it. I, I, yeah, whether you like it or not, like you ain't seen another film like it. So yeah, yeah. totally unique. Yeah, well. If you guys want to catch it, like we said, the BFI released a two disc set. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna get the job done. One hundred and eleven yeah. minutes. Yeah, it's it pretty good, man. I think it's it is available favorite. on a couple, a couple of streaming services. Carry yeah. it as well. I think. Yeah, uh, Shutter, Shutter has it currently as well, but it might be the American release, which is one hundred and eight minutes. Sure. But yeah. you know, whatever. However, you can catch it. Shutter is currently doing a seven day free trial if you don't have it, and there's going to be plenty of other great horror stuff on there. So. Uh, I don't care if you do or not. They're not paying me to say that, but I'm just, oh, yeah. <laughs> trying to help you out. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that was The Devils. Go check it out. I think it's great. It certainly took me by surprise. If anything, Oliver Reed is going to be your new sex god, and that's all oh, that yeah. matters. Yeah. And Vanessa Redgrave yeah. is super cool, and she's been to the cinema a couple times, like in recent really? memory. Yeah, like Whoa. for, I think, hires and stuff. But, you know, it's cool to see her. She's a legend. And yeah. uh yeah, it's great. Um I forgot to do snack time. <laughs> I know. I have this lonely biscuit. That's been <laughs> well, you're taking on the a little table. bite out of it. I took Could a little bite. It's been there for an hour and a half yeah. waiting. So and now it just it's a joke. As we go off air, I'll I'll let you guys eat for your snack time while we're just telling people where to find you. So Caroline, it's been a while. What are you doing? What are you up to? Anything going on? Are you drawing anything? I am drawing a lot and I am I've started doing embroidering again. I had a little break of a few months. I do nice. a I do like little little like weird faces, a lot of colors on. <laughs> nice. Uh and yeah, I you should I do just, Jamie. I should. Maybe I already have done Jamie. <laughs> no. Oh shit. It would be Embroider the new design Damn. for the shirt. <laughs> yeah, I just I just try to be very creative, watch a lot of films, and nice. uh, 
and you do one really creative things every day and finish it. It's that's usually a like a little really, comic strip. That's great. I'm reading a book right now, and it's from Jeff Tweedy from Wilco, and he's like talked talking about his style of writing is is he does like one song or a poem or day he forces himself yeah. to do it and i wish i had that ability so you doing that that inspires me that's great awesome yeah where yeah. can people find you caroline uh on the well i still don't have my twitter <laughs> i just don't i i don't really see the point i'm sorry crazy I possum feel... lady yeah um I don't know. I'm not funny enough for Twitter, so I'm staying on on Instagram, and yeah. that's uh, Caroline uh, H F R I S K. Um, I just I don't know. I haven't posted it much <laughs> lately, but nice. hit me up or whatever. How about you, Phil? <laughs> What'd you bring for your snack, and where can people find you? You're certainly not in a ball anymore. You're growing up. No, I mean, I've done that thing, you know, where you're on a, f- a phone call and you keep moving around the house for some reason. I've like gone all around the living room. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find me at home eating a chocolate digestive. <laughs> classic <laughs> British snack for a classic British movie. Love it. You know, you know what I'm saying? Um, I don't know. I'm at Far Away Third on Twitter. If people want to uh, look that up and see me try try to be funny and fail. Um, but yeah, if not here, I'm here every week, whether they like it or not. Phil, I cut my fingernails this morning and I 100% (laughs) am on board with my week being done. Exactly. That was such a big, like I kept putting it off for like a week and I finally did it. And then I just felt like, you know, very new man, uh, new man. (laughs) I could go anywhere. Jamie, did you bring a snack? I didn't bring a snack. I did bring a cup of tea. I enjoyed my cup of tea. I drank it before Phil got here. Um, but you know, I was like ten minutes late. Fuck off. That was like <laughs> that was like you know, but that was good. Um, you can find me if you want me in the garden, unless it's pouring <laughs> down with rain. Uh, otherwise, if you really need to get hold of me, tape an X to your bedroom window and shine a lamp up against it for three nights running, and I'll check you out. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, did you bring a snack at all? Uh, I had a uh, I had a tangerine, an apple, and banana, and a tea. But like Jamie, oh, I finished all of it before Phil turned up. Man, yeah, yeah, Phil was late. <laughs> Rob, are you still doing your writing? I know you are. Yeah, yeah. You're still, still plug, doing. plug away, buddy. Uh, how about you even do this? On Facebook and Instagram, 24 frames per second, we're currently doing a whole host of lists to try and keep ourselves not bored. And hopefully you guys have loads of suggestions, top fives of a bunch of different stuff from directors to genres, yada, yada, yada. That's a yeah. great list. I want to say. Yeah, they are uh, really great. I really oh, cheers. Yeah. They're getting a bit repetitive, I found. Crime was a pr- pretty uh, flaccid one we I did. Have, I've seen some of those before. Yeah, because <laughs> we, we, well, we'd also already done what we've done. We've done Heist. And we've got like Noir and Neo Noir coming up. And yeah, uh, so that was kind of a flaccid one. But yeah, some of them are still pretty engaging. And there's some repetitive films coming up a lot, which... A couple of people told me has inspired them to watch it, so I guess that's a good thing. That's good, yeah. As opposed to just repeating ourselves, but 
No, it's it's a struggle, I think, uh, doing engaging things because you have to do it, and we're running into it sometimes yeah. at the cinema. Yeah. You know, you're just it's trying to keep work. people involved, and yeah, and you don't want to keep repeating things. So, nah. but yeah, nah. yeah, it's good. Well, yeah. that's 24 frames per second. Follow yeah. Rob there. Um, he's doing some good stuff, and uh, we like to support these people who come on our podcast. So yeah, you can find me at Tall for All T A L L, the number four A L L. Uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and I today have brought myself a Narn superseded oat cake, um, and I did this particularly to see if Jamie would want to uh, divulge what he does with his oat cakes. I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, there's nothing better for building a nest out of. Yeah, you mush them mm. up, and then. That's like wattle and gold type shit. Now you said you cheese, cheese flavored. Yeah, the cheese flavored are my favorite. But it doesn't need to be cheese to make a nest. It doesn't, doesn't need to be cheese to make a nest. This. All right. No, you can cool. you can make your nest out of your superseded, <laughs> which was something I didn't know existed outside of pornography until you said it. <laughs> <laughs> what? What is going on? All right, yeah. Follow the PCC Podcast at the PCC Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Five stars there. Leave us a like, review, rating. You can also support us at patreon.com forward slash the PCC Podcast. My God, tomorrow me and Ariane are going to do a doozy. It's going to be fun. So keep an eye out for the Fast and the Furious dropping in your inbox tomorrow. We're signing off here now. Thanks, everyone. Jamie, Rob, Phil, Caroline. God bless. Thank you. Yeah. And so it ends. Crocodile. <laughs> <laughs>